0: We will continue what we're learning, the 11th letter of the Holy Letters of the Balatanya, known as Laskil Chabina. So we're going on a deep, fascinating journey, deep into enlightenment, which is the essence of these two words, Laskil Chabina, which by now we can begin to understand a few phenomenal transformational ideas in enlightenment, but they are much more than ideas. They are things that must take a person over, which to begin with, it seems very clear that the person who wrote this letter to the Balatanya, who was complaining about suffering, pain that they were going through in life, and now we understand that the balatanya did not respond to them regarding the question that they asked he did not begin to address to him he did not begin to address to him his issue of pain and suffering you see every person has some form of suffering in their life. They have anxiety, they have pain, frustrations. (laughs) And the real question is, how do I look at all of these things? How do I look at my frustrations? How do I look at my pain? How do I look at my suffering? How do I look at my obstacles in life, things that are stopping me from living life? And the Balatanya is coming over here with a radical new idea. And it almost as if he's saying, you writing to me about your problems that you have in your life, your petty problems that you have in life. And why are they petty? They're, is he saying that they're petty? They are petty and comparable to what I'm about to tell you. You came, you asked me a question about your specific life. What did he ask a question about? Something that was regarding health, wealth, and children. And he already explained in Simon Tess in Geras HaKodesh, That health, wealth, and children, a person wants them for two reasons. He wants them for egoic reasons, just like the other nations of the world. He wants them to fulfill his ego, or he wants them so he could serve God. He wants them so they could live a healthy life, a meaningful life, a real life, an enlightened life. If a person would have children and he would know that his children would turn out to be failures, they would go in the evil path, they would end up in prison. He would never want those children. If a person would have wealth, and ultimately he would see that his wealth would corrupt him, or his health would bring him to a very petty life, where he would regret his whole entire life, he would never choose that type of life. But ultimately speaking, a person is not thinking about these things. So the Balatanya comes over here in this parikh and he says to a person who is complaining about suffering and pain, and he tells him, I want to enlighten you with understanding. And enlightenment has nothing to do with the question you asked me. But once you become enlightened, your question will disappear. Your question will be obliterated, it will disappear, it will disintegrate. And therefore the enlightenment that he's giving in this parikh is something very different. Then the enlightenment that he's giving in the rest of Tanya. Because the Tanya starts out in Perak of Tanya city tzadik valti Russia. You are you have a you have a, a, a promise when you were born to be a tzadik and not to be a Russia. And ultimately the Balatanya leaves out that you could be a Bainani. You must become a Bainani. You must become an in-betweener. You must become a person who, although you won't be perfect, although you won't be enlightened, you will struggle, you will You will understand the purpose of your life. And you must do a lot of inner work. And the inner work has a lot to do with temptation and with struggle. But over here, the Balatanya is not dealing with that at all. He's not dealing with a struggle. He's dealing with a sentence of enlightenment. You know how vast that is? That's why we're spending so much time. You know how enormous this sentence is? If we don't give the proper attention to this, the proper meditation, the proper clarity to the sentence that he's saying, we will miss it entirely. That's why we spend so much time over here. Because the sentence that he's about to tell us is almost ungraspable, it's unattainable. Unattainable in the sense that he's taking a regular person, like me and you, who is not enlightened, and he's telling you, do you want the beginning of enlightenment? Well, here it is. Now, what can you do with that enlightenment? Do you, how, how can you work for that enlightenment? Is that the question? Is, is, is the enlightenment that he's about to give you, is that, a, is, that a, is that a struggle what he's about to tell you? The core of the sentence of enlightenment has nothing to do with your work. You understand? What is the sentence that he's saying over here? The sentence that he's saying over here is, I want to enlighten you. And I want to tell you that not by this way, that the light of path, the light of God, will not dwell in your body by desiring health, wealth, and children. Because your will should be nullified, should disappear, should be obliterated in front of His will. Because you are forced to be alive. Now most people would understand this sentence to be that this is your job of your life. This is the work of your life. You have a will. Nullify your will in front of God's will. That's not what the Balatanya is saying over here. He's absolutely not saying that. That is the whole entire Tanya until now. The whole entire Tanya he's teaching you how to nullify your will in front of God's will. Over here he's making a different statement. He's telling you a fact. He's telling you the fact of enlightenment. The fact of enlightenment is, you want to see what enlightenment looks like? I can't tell you what enlightenment looks like. Enlightenment is so powerful. But I can tell you one thing. The beginning of enlightenment is that not by this path will the light of God dwell within one, the path of desiring health, wealth, and children. As long as you have desires, you will not have the light of God dwell within you. Because enlightenment means... That your will is nullified in front of God's will. Which means that God's will is so enormous, so powerful in your life, which that you have touched the essence of God's will, which is so powerful, it's so enormous in your life, that your will has disintegrated. Like you put a drop of blood in a massive bathtub of water. Do you see the blood? The blood has dissipated, it has disappeared. It has transmuted, it has, it has disappeared. When you have a candle and you take it out of your house and you put it in front of your son, did you have to work for that candle to disappear? The candle, a, a candle in front of the sun. what is it? So he's telling you a fact of enlightenment. He's not telling you that you have to get rid of your will. Go now and struggle the rest of Tanya. This is a fact of it. You want the beginning of enlightenment? Here it is. I'm not telling you what to do with it. I'm not telling you not to go to work on it. Go be a He's not telling you something. Oh, you're going to tell me this, that I should have no will at all? That's not what he's telling you. That's the rest of Tanya. That's a life, long, a life of work. Over here he's telling you, I'm giving you the elevator. I'm giving you the beginning of enlightenment. The fact of enlightenment is someone who's enlightened. You want to know what it looks like? This is what it looks like. How do you know what it looks like? By the negative, that not by this path, not by the path, not by this path would the light of God dwell within you by desiring the life of health, wealth, and children. Because your will must be nullified, it must disappear, it must be abrogated in the face of God's will, in the face of of, of, of the light of God, your will has to has to be disappeared. It has to be bottled. Not that it has to, that it's your job. It has to, that's a fact. The fact of life is, the fact of life is that your will must disintegrate in front of God's will because you are forced to be alive. And this is a fact of enlightenment. And this is what we are trying to make this real in our life. Because to make this real in our life, if it demands struggle, if it demands work, then it has nothing to do with enlightenment. Because enlightenment is precisely the opposite of struggle. haskil <laughs> Khabira means to enlighten you with understanding, to transform you, to make you different, to make you know what a tzaddik knows, to make you see what an enlightened person sees. And enlightenment means I turn on the light, and now it's crystal clear. And if now I turn on the light and it's crystal clear, the energy that's in that space is so powerful that everything gets disappeared. That's why it's a fact of enlightenment. And that's what we are focusing on the past shiurim, all these deep shiurim, to try to understand the beginning of enlightenment. Now, as we go deeper into the perek, which a lot of it we have dressed upon already, we are gonna see how we can make this fact of enlightenment, this fact, the fact that a person's will must disintegrate, it must be, disappear in front of God's will. Because the fact is, the fact is that your whole life is against your will. Because your will is a figment of your imagination. Because you have a soul that's flowing through you independent of your knowledge. Independent of your will. Independent of your petty desires that you've developed over 12 or 13 years until you became mature. That's a fact, and the fact is that enlightenment, the beginning of enlightenment happens when you lose all your attachments. And this is the beginning of enlightenment. The beginning of enlightenment is this statement. It's not a statement where a person looks at his parak and says, you know something? The Balatanya is demanding that I be a tzaddik. This has nothing to do with me. That's not what he's demanding over here. He's demanding something entirely different. He's demanding that you begin to know the fact of enlightenment, the fact of what does enlightenment look like. Then later on, he's gonna to start to, and he's gonna say, "Be and to explain this enlightenment, how to make this enlightenment real in your life, first you must be enlightened. You must see enlightenment with your own eyes. And to see enlightenment with your own eyes demands tremendous attention. And that's why people have gotten it during this year, in the last few weeks, they began to become enlightened. Because enlightenment must become real in your life. And as long as it becomes real, you are transformed into an enlightened person, even for one moment in time. Even for one moment in time, because the attachment the meaning that you will give now to your life is an enlightened meaning. You might fall back back asleep. You might forget about that enlightenment, but at least you know the beginning of enlightenment. You know how to look at the world with the different eyes, with the different sense of perception. So in order to make this real in our life. We have spent an enormous amount of time seeing the times in our life when we all become enlightened, whether we are aware of it or not, and we've zoned into it very, very deeply with a microscope to see these words, to understand, to make these words real in our life. Not to, that I am a struggler, I am a person who is petty, I'm running after health, wealth, and children. And therefore, the sentence that the ever is saying over here, which number one is misunderstood by most people as a work that they have to do to, be, to nullify their will in front of God's will, or number two, this is dealing with enlightenment, this is dealing with a person who has no desires at all, and me and him have nothing to do with each other, so therefore, I just read this paragraph. It's exact opposite. This peric is the, when you understand this concept, you begin to live. You begin to have such vitality. And even a person who's learning this, and he's not planning on doing any work, meaning to say he's not planning to hold on to this, this is not planning to become more important for him than the petty life he's running after. The entertainment that he's having from this, which in a certain sense is, is, not going to help him. But why does he still want to listen to it, even though he he doesn't he's not interested in integrating it into his life? Why? Because the moment that he's listening to this, the beginning of enlightenment, there's a tremendous joy that a person has because this is the Torah, this is the Torah, this is Kiem Khayenu. This when the, what the Balatanya is teaching over here is divrei al chayim, it's chassidus, which is toiris Chaim, which is the, 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 the Torah of the living God, which is the inner dimension of the Torah. And in the inner dimension of the Torah, it's the inner dimension that's dealing with enlightenment. And it's tremendously joyful to learn this concept. Because even now, while we learn it, we become enlightened. Even if we, God forbid, choose to drop this enlightenment, we become enlightened for the moment that we learn this. And this is a tremendous, tremendous transformation that happens in a person. So there is a very fine line with what a person has to do and with what a person has to know. For a person to know the knowledge of what the Balatani is about to say over here, for that he doesn't need work. He doesn't need to know how much struggle it's gonna take for him to nullify his will in front of God's will. That's not the goal of this parrot. That's a life full of struggle. That's not what he's talking about over here. In this parakel, he's talking about the fact of enlightenment. If you're attached to anything, if you have hopes of becoming, if you have hopes for tomorrow is going to be a better day, if you have hopes, if you put your hopes in, in your animal, in your animal kingdom, in your personality, then the light of God, perpetually, constantly, the light of God, the light of your soul, meaning in a revealed way. Being attentive to your purpose, those two cannot coexist. And your purpose is so much bigger than a moment in your life of fulfillment. Your purpose on this world is so much bigger, but your purpose is only important on the day of your chuppah, or on the day that you die. When is your purpose important? And in fact, on those moments when you're about to die, or on the day of your chuppah, all your other petty purposes, your petty wills, life, health, wealth. Life meaning the life of me becoming. It doesn't mean life over here serving God, of course. But life as becoming, and your children giving you nachas, and your wealth making you something grand. All these material things are insignificant, they are not important. Not at the person's leviah, when they sum up his whole life by all the times he was alive, which was the great purpose of his life. And not at the time of his wedding. On his khuppah when his eyes are closed and he's highly meditative. And the energy and awareness, he is so full of ecstasy that he's not even there. Because the word ecstasy means that you're beyond yourself. You went out of yourself. At that moment you're becoming one with somebody else. Your self is not there. You have put yourself away. Your animal has been put away. Your ego has been put away. So this demands tremendous meditation as to what is enlightenment. Let's just look at enlightenment. Let's see it with no, with no interpretations. This is for me, this is not for me. How can I nullify my wills? How can I nullify my attachment? Let's just look at what enlightenment looks like. Because if we are gonna interpret, if we are gonna try to, be, to say, oh, let me become enlightened now. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get rid of all my desires. No, the fact of enlightenment, it's a fact, it's a fact of enlightenment. As long as you're attached, God will not dwell in your body in a revealed way. It will not be yishkoin, it will not be present. Something else will be going on in your body. You will not be present to life, you will miss your entire life. You will be highly asleep, reactive, running around, just running after petty nonsense, not, never present in this world. Because if you're not busy with what is right now, You're busy with something that's more important. A better future that's coming to you tomorrow. A better something that's coming tomorrow, which will never actually come as tomorrow. Because you're only being created from nothing to something right now. Because the miracle of life happens right at this moment. So we are saying that the beginning of enlightenment... Is the recognition that the light of God is supposed to dwell in my body, is supposed to be revealed in my body, is supposed to be shoychenes umislabeshes, is supposed to be present, engaged, interactive, and revealed in my body. Shoychenes umislabeshes, These three words, mystical words, yishkun oir The light of my soul, of, my, of the light of Hashem, should be present in my body, which is the purpose of my life. And it should be revealed. I should be attentive to it. It should be constant. It should be, it, it should be my purpose. It should be sitting on me. And the Balatanya says that by, not by the path of desiring health, wealth, and children, are you going to get to the light of God dwelling in my body? So we need to know what it's not, and then we can automatically know what it is. And therefore we've spent an enormous amount of time explaining that all the person's attachments is not what is enlightenment. That is not what is, a, what is enlightenment. That's not gonna have the light of God dwelling in my body. So now we have discovered that there are few moments in my life that I can see with my eyes, that my will, my selfish will, my egoic will is completely disintegrated. It's bottled. Meaning the fact, the fact of what Chazal is saying. Your will should be nullified in front of God's will. And when does that happen? That happens at the moment of my chuppah. In fact, the person who I am marrying is my whole entire mission, my whole entire purpose, is my whole entire life. I want to hold them in love. I want to give them everything I have. And at that moment, I don't have a will. Definitely no egoic will. My will is their will. And at that moment, anything petty that you would bring up would be obliterated. It would be disappeared. It would be like a tiny drop of milk in a bathtub. Because the moment, the energy of that moment, the tensity, the, the revelation of my soul, the part of my life that comes deep into me, into my body during the moment of my chuppah, the whole wedding, the whole build up, the whole energy of all of that, was just for that one moment when I am gonna sanctify my spouse, or I am gonna become sanctified, and we are gonna come into one union, into one person, to one unit. That moment, nothing in the world could get in the, in the face of that moment. And that moment is silent. That moment is still. That moment is ecstasy. It's beyond myself. Myself is obliterated. It's, 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 it disappears. And the same exact thing happens when a person's about to die. And the question that we have after we know this enlightenment, after we've seen these moments in our life, whether it's N'ila, whether it's my Yom Kippur of my life, which is my marriage, or whether it is the day that a person feels that he's going from this world. The question is, how does he make this real every single day? And that's what the Balatani is about to tell us now, be it Indian. That's what he's about to tell us now with the beauty of understanding that the world is being created from nothing to something. And for that, we need to also understand, in addition to the fact that by being attached, by having desires, you will not be enlightened. We need to see what does enlightenment look like? What is the opposite? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe, when he was once talking about this, he said, This cannot be like another word that the Balatani is saying, like the Balcem is saying. This must be something that you make real in your own life. And he said the words of Bukhanaini and voice, I cannot do this for you. This can't be something that you learn. There's something that you learn, and then there's something that teaches you. There's the Tanya that you learn and you know by heart, and then there's what did the Tanya really teach you? There's what you learned, what you know, you know the idea of enlightenment, but now are you ready to make it real in your life? Ready to make it real in your life means that you're ready to think about it. And over here we see something that magical. A person has his eyes, and we said there's mineral eye, and there's the vegetable eye, there's the animal eye, and there's the human eye, and there's the godly eye. The mineral eyes when you're sleeping, the vegetable eyes when you're by your alone by yourself. The animal is the discoverer of all your other friends and all your other people around you and what you're trying to conquer them and you're trying to make yourself a better ego. But you're still selfish, you're still alone. And then there's the human and godly eye. What does that look like? In the moment of your chuppah, your eyes are closed. But the meaning of your eyes, the meaning of what you're gonna see after when you open your eyes, you're gonna have a godly eye afterwards. Because a godly eye, a doymil aboyer evadamil eye is, when I look at the person in front of me, I only see the person. And when there's negativity, I end the negativity instantly, because I know the world being created from something to nothing. And when I look at you, I look beyond what I'm seeing. I'm going deeper, that's what a godly eye is. Because an animal eye is still involved with self. But I get out of myself and I go deep into you and I understand you. And I ultimately see that we are all one. So a godly eye is an eye that could put away self, that could put away everything, that could penetrate everything, tzitzis, like we talked about. A godly eye is an infinite eye. It's an eye with the meaning, the the enlightenment that I have in my mind changes what I see. I'm just like everyone else, but I'm an enlightened person. I'm non-reactive. I'm listening with my eyes, do you understand? You could see and you could be totally asleep. Entertainment, pleasure, running after your animal, running, 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 you don't see nothing. But then you could walk out of a supermarket and be highly sensitive to the poor person who's there. And to see there's no difference between you and him at all. That starts with the mind, that's the God, the Neshama, that's and Hashem. To listen to another person, put yourself away entirely, to have true compassion for another person. That's what a godly eye looks like. But if you have hopes and aspirations, if you're full of yourself, if you want to build you some type of empire, some type of logo, can you have, have Yishkinah Rashem? Can your eye be so sensitive that the light of God, the infinity of God will dwell in your eye? Do you understand what it looks like? You have to see also what it looks like. To have the infinity of God dwell in your eye. It's the same eye. But what are you seeing? What's the meaning of it? What did the Torah teach you? What do you see now? What do you see when you look at the other person? Can you really listen to them, know them? Are you about them? Do you just want to give them compassion or do you want to get something out of them still? Or are you still trapped in your animal, trapped in yourself? Can you suspend yourself? Can you see, can you see your spouse? Can you see the diminishment of your ego and just be present and just give unconditional love, unattached love for no reason at all? Can you do that? That's the beginning of Yishkin Hashem that he's talking about. That's the beginning of enlightenment. So that's the measure that a person wants to know, is the enlightenment taking me through? It's the seeing of these ideas. Where a person is in a state... When a person is in a state where he sees that he's putting himself away. And it's precisely the moments of pain in his life where he sees that he's unattached. His love to his spouse is unattached. His love is unattached because it's Yishkin Rashem. it's the light of my soul, it's through my eyes. And it's precisely at these moments that you need me most to see you. To put myself away, and if a person sees that his eyes are looking like this, then he has touched, he started with the beginning of enlightenment. He has ended his desires, ended them because they became bottled, they become insignificant in compared to the purpose of his life. And as more he thinks about this, the more enlightened he is, the more there is, in his own life, the beginning of Hashem.